Welcome to Kondo Comrades, a podcast about Netflix's tidying up with Marie Kondo and all other things in the Marie Kondo universe, the Kondoverse. I'm your host, Eric Kaoli, aka the Planner God, the Skincare Spender. My usual co-host is here, the book burner, Kenneth Deakins, aka Kenny Kondo, Mr. Yikes himself. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Eric. <laughs> we have a special guest with us here today, um, our good friend, Peter McOwen. Who I, I don't have any fun nicknames for. That's a shame. Hey, Eric. Hey, Peter. <laughs> that's, that's pretty rude. The McGowster. Oh, no. <laughs> you never you should never leave an opening for Kenny to come up with nicknames or names for anything. So I, ha- I have been called Peter Meowin before because I got a package with uh, the C as an E. Uh, and so the Meowster works pretty well. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. You got, that's you got a, a pretty good one. Yeah. I... I don't think I've ever had a nickname that cute. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're always terrible ones. Um, all right. We have a fun episode for you all today, which is why we brought in Peter to... to um... I'm expert consult. Yeah. 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 He's, a, he's, our, he's our board gamer expert to, here to talk about some of the recent drama that uh, Marie Kondo has... Uh... <laughs> has drug up with uh, the board gamers who've discovered her. But first, we have, as usual, apologies to deliver. Um, do we? How, how do we want to introduce these? Well, I, th- I think the first one's on you, so you gotta... You gotta... Yeah. Okay, so after the recording last episode, when we we, we blasted the, the friend family yet again um, for... How would you describe it, Danny? Um being being someone inappropriate about the impact tidying up had on their sex life yeah so being horny over cleaning yeah 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 that's that's a a way to put it so kenny rightfully uh blasted me after recording because i struggled with my words and i was like how how dare they impugn on um the, the word i used was purity which is not (laughs) <laughs> not exactly what I was looking for and not really an appropriate term to be to be throwing out there. I think the 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 sort of criticism I was trying to make is to us she seems like an authority figure and talking in, in that sort of way does not seem appropriate. Yeah. And I I, I was is, I would say I I felt that I think that talking that way to her was like disrespectful um to her exactly yeah and you know that she she's someone you should should treat with respect um and i i'll also i'll join in on this apology because i i noticed at the time and tried to try to get you off it but i think i should have just explicitly called you out on it then and there and and handled it but so it goes yeah, as as usual our our show is a complete clown time <laughs> and... <Clown fiesta. laughs> and kenny d- does nothing to help it <laughs> It's true. Um, so I'm, I'm, I will sh- happily share the blame. Uh, the other, the other apology that we wanted to make is our pronunciation of. Um, I, I think we've been calling her just Marie Kondo, which is also how what she's been going by on the show and what they've allowed other people to call her. But I did notice some people calling out that the the how you would actually pronounce her name is Marie Kondo, with it, it, it's a little bit different but you know we just want to be respectful toward that i don't know if we're gonna like 
I don't, I don't know how you approach that because Netflix and the way that she presents it has just been Marie Kondo. Yeah, I think I think it's important to to call out and talk about um, that that you know that we we are t- using her anglicized name in some senses, mm-hmm. um, and I think you know you can say that like she gives us all permission to call her by that, but it's not you know it, it may be sort of the like, it may be necessary for her to function and sort of our worlds in a sense yeah, yeah but, it, but it's probably a symptom of the whole and she has a lot of issues with westernization of her philosophy and ideas so it's just a symptom of the whole even if she may be okay with it yeah exactly i tend to go with ms condo on when i refer to her online even even when i'm not actually saying pronouncing her name out loud mm-hmm. uh I I don't know. I guess that will that works also if you want to avoid the issue if you have trouble being trying to remember that to, to pronounce it Marie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's just as you said. I think it's important to to reflect on that and to know sort of the true nature of the pronunciation of her name. It it continues the theme of putting respect on her name, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> which is what we want to emphasize. Uh, are, is that all our apologies, Ken? Uh, we got one last one. Um, uh-huh. So our last episode took over an hour, which to me is a huge breakpoint. Um, you know, you should not take over an hour in a podcast. <laughs> it's not good. No one should be recording an hour long podcast. It's, it was too long, and it stretched on. And we apologize, and we won't do it again. We're gonna, we're gonna never break the hour mark again, um, no matter the occasion. <laughs> and we want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, even if we're not respectful of each other's time. It, so the way that our ap- apology segments have been going so far, they've been getting longer and longer. So these will keep compounding as we get through the series, and eventually these will make up about three-fourths of the episode well, maybe well, may, maybe we need our spin-off apology cast yeah that would work <laughs> peter would you listen to that uh, an hour-long apology podcast no but it would be a, the, it would be a spin-off of a spin-off of a spin-off at that point i think that's true oh yeah that's, that's true <laughs> what are we set? we're really setting ourselves up for vic for for victory here <laughs> uh we wanted to do, uh, okay, getting off of that, we wanted to talk about any tidying that we've done. Have either of you been doing some tidying in your homes? Uh, so I, uh, I'm i a little new to the, the condo verse, if you will. And uh, so I haven't really mm-hmm. done a whole lot. I, uh, like many people in America, tend to like, like spring cleaning. So I tend to really do a lot of it in the spring. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about what uh, Conmarie is like and what it what it means to me. And I think the one thing I always focus on is it just has helped me change the way I think in relation to objects and possessions and just focus on need. And if it is something I really, really want or really like will appreciate going forward before I purchase something, which is, I guess is a little bit of a tidying of my personal life. Well, so had you known anything about her books or 
her her philosophy before, or were you just introduced by the show? I knew about it. Um, I haven't read her book or done much, maybe other than read the Wikipedia article before watching the show. Um, but the show did help. Yeah, it it's really interesting to hear as people like are are learning more because of the popularity mm-hmm. of the show, and then have have sort of like have been more mindful, like like you say, of what you buy and what you own and appreciating what's already there. Yeah, and I think that is the kind of the foundation of a lot of what she says. She gives a lot of very good um, like house tidying, like practical tips, like the folding of the t-shirts. But I think the primary thing I always take away is mindfulness, like you said. She just teaches mindfulness of possessions and how you arrange your life. How about you, Kenny? What What sort of choker activities have you been <laughs> getting into? <laughs> Um, so I had something that was really good that I really wanted to talk about. And I've spent like the last like 20 minutes trying to remember it and I've forgotten. Um, so maybe I should get a planner and write stuff down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I know, I know a perfect website you can go go to if you need that. That's something I think we meant to, to bring up at some point early on in, in this, this show, how I, I run a site completely dedicated to, planners journals notebooks uh you can visit it at planner.club like club as the 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 suffix not not dot com but yeah it just helps you find a planner and gives you ideas for how to use it and that's kind of i don't know kind of like tidying up your day yeah it's not it's being more more intentional about what what you could do by like compartmentalizing i thought i thought this podcast was for your website um yeah i I guess everything that i do is a vehicle for promoting something else i do right it's it's (laughs) it's like a it's a big circle of um just self-promotion how many uh affiliate links are going to go in the show notes well well we've only been doing one in episode so far we we sold people on the on her her manga on the first episode and last episode we we linked people to buying socks claire was really excited about you mentioning the socks because she's from vermont and those socks are from vermont and she was like they're the best everything from Vermont." she's i didn't realize how much pride people could have in their states um until i i met her really how much pride she had in vermont's darn tough socks and, and maple syrup and lots of stuff they're good they're good socks (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see, Peter knows, and they they have a lifetime guarantee. So did LLB. So but they they just stabbed stabbed the people in the back on that one. <laughs> so, so <laughs> well, people were were abusing that, and they had to feature it on a lot of podcasts. And it wasn't in in a way where it's like, here, get this because of this. It's here, abuse this because of this. I don't think anyone's abusing Darn Tough's policy. By the way, Darn Tough, get at us for the sponsorship, and. <laughs> I love how 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 much Kenny abhors all of this, all the, the consumerism I try to promote. I'm, I I mean I did we did get a new disc trainer, which is very exciting. Um, it's like pretty nice. Um, so our our old one was made of wood, which I liked, but it also like soaked a bunch of water in and was got a little gross because of that. Um, and we got that this it's a new it's like it's stainless steel and it like drains right into. Oh, the, you you got. And and that's you got the, did you get the the wire cutter human made one? Um, I think so. I'll 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 look it up and link in the show notes if people are interested. But it's 
Yeah, people could people could. Buy I, I think I think it. I mean, I don't have a dishwasher for for reference, like a lot of people in New York. Um, and so having having a good a good dish rack is really a huge improvement because I use it basically every day, and um, you know, getting getting a nicer one, and I'm really been enjoying this new one. So that's that's I would I would put that in the category of tidying, even though it's getting something, it's still sort of getting something that I'm gonna use every day and makes it makes a day-to-day task of um tidying up and cleaning and dishes a lot easier and better. So some real exciting developments in the condo verse, <laughs> listeners. Listen, that's that that's what that's what we're here for. It's just a the small kitty I ra- the small I, I rag <laughs> Kenny, I, I rag on you for that, but it, it actually is tremendously interesting to me. <laughs> your dish, your di- like, I, I have to make fun of you for it, but I'm actually like, like on on the edge of my seat trying to hear about dishwasher rats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you guys, you guys don't know what it's like, but both you in in big Ohio with big with your big houses, your dish dishwasher machines. I was I was at your apartment. I I washed some of your mugs. Yeah. I know all yeah, about this. Yeah, my second apartment ever, I didn't have a dishwasher. So I know the struggle. Uh, I lived there for three years without a dishwasher. Yeah. It is It is like one of the things that I would like to have as a dishwasher. but It's a it's a big upgrade. It's a big life upgrade. Yeah, it, it seems like more than just a life upgrade because not having a dishwasher, it just creates a lot of, a lot of additional stress that people don't realize to your life. Like if you don't have a routine down and it's difficult to get to that routine. Sometimes it is really satisfying doing the dishes and just like at the end of it, the everything's nice and nice and clean. And you're like, I did that. Um, but I'd still rather have a dishwasher machine. <laughs> um, we, we have a lot to get to, so we need to talk about, I guess what is becoming our, our, feature our feature segment which is a Marie Kondo versus the world <laughs> Marie Kondo versus the world okay, um, in this, this episode yeah oh god Kenny keeps trying to make the Marie Kondo player haters club happen and it's it's not gonna happen Kenny it's gonna happen it's I, I would rather go back to to unbelievable <laughs> than than that so the the latest drama um, with with her haters has been with the board gaming community, which appear to have discovered um, the the show tidying up by way of the criticism that book owners have had with with her, which we we kind of covered in the first episode. Everyone being very very upset with her encouraging people to to cut down their book collection and. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this came from, but there was this idea of of keeping just thirty books, and I think that was something either taken out of context or invented by people who were up in arms about her telling people to to cut down their collections and just people not being able to get their heads around the idea of having thirty or less books. Not that she's even advocating for that, um, and then just lots of outrage over that. And somehow it spilled over to board gamers finding out about it. And that, that's kind of why we brought in Peter, uh, because he would be the, the expert on that. Uh... Yeah, this uh, this thread came from uh, the forums on Board Game Geek, which uh, most people in the board game community know it as 1995's favorite website. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it's a thread, uh, if you want to look it up, called Do You Intend to Use KonMari Method for Your Board Game Collection? And it started with the, the, the fake news meme of only having 30 books, which I did a little bit of digging, Eric, and it, uh, it, I think it is just pure fabrication. I think uh, somebody just used it as part of a criticism. Um, I, I heard that she said that personally she only had 30 books. It was about how many she liked, but it was never a recommendation for the world. Yeah, I think it's something like that, but I, I think I even read this as I just did too much, didn't do that, but that even that quote was kind of fabricated, but I could be yeah. wrong. I would, I would believe I did not, I, I just read that and I was like, that seems like within about what I would expect her to have said if she said it at all. Yeah, um, but uh, back to board gamers. So for those not familiar, board gamers often have massive collections, like people pride themselves on having 500 games or or sometimes into the the thousands they pride themselves in it and their identity is often wrapped up in it and so i can see that people would feel attacked because a lot of these uh of these board gamers they're a little too lazy to develop their own personality so they uh base their personality (laughs) on their board games and so when you attack their personality like that it it could cause some hard feelings we we should just by the way say up front that Peter is very much, he, he does have his own board game collection just because it, it doesn't feel like an outsider critiquing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and we, we, I'm recording yeah. in front of my, uh, my four by four Calic shelf where every shelf and even a little bit above it is covered in board games. So uh, I'm criticizing from a place of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're, and, um, like actually, uh, it's a it's a departure for us to to clown people we are not a community of yeah so the sport gaming in general is wrapped up in this pretty massive i would say consumerism and the the big one that i always like to blame is the kickstarters uh, everybody's familiar with kickstarter but when it comes to games it's often games that you've never played before and so you're basing this off of a few um a couple videos some flashy graphics and then suddenly you've got fear of missing out and you just have to kickstart everything or buy every new game when a lot of these people with board game collections have a large number of unopened even and uneven unplayed games or they're in a large uh gaming group where you know, three people have a copy of, you know, Terraforming Mars or some other big name game where you have no need for each of you all to have that. And inevitably one or two of those copies just gather dust on the shelf. And so that's where we come from. We're looking at that that this criticism just seems unfounded. One thing I read that was interesting, I don't know if it's true, is that the, 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 the number one moment of joy for someone involved with the board games is when they first open it up. And you sort of open it up and there's this huge sense of possibilities and it's sort of like, oh man, look at all this stuff. Look at all, like, think of all the things I'm going to do with this. And sort of, I think that like buying board games can connect to that sometimes where like there's, there's no greater moment of possibility than before you actually play the game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can certainly sympathize. I mean, when I get a new game, the first thing I want to do is open it and read through it and punch out all the pieces it's a lot of fun it's very satisfying but the at the same time to you know lash out at somebody for saying 30 games just it it, which obviously is a fake quote but all i mean like i said what the biggest thing i brought away is just being more mindful of your possessions and your collection like you can collect with um by following con marie but it is just being mindful of what you have and 
if it is really something that you're going to be it's going to give you some personal fulfillment in the future. I mean, uh, with a lot of games, there's only, there, there's so many categories like, um, you know, party games or two player games. I mean, those, there's a lot of variability, but, you know, often when you look at some games have specific mechanics, like a trader mechanic, well, you can have 10 games all with a trader mechanic, but are you really going to play one of the older ones when a newer one is clearly superior or like word games? Um, like, everybody plays code names now. And so kind of as a result, something like Bananagrams is less popular now. As it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Or Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble's pretty bad too. <laughs> Scrabble's way better than Bananagrams. Bananagrams is the worst one. Because you don't even play with other people. Everyone just does their own thing. And yeah. I'm a big Bananagrams hater. Good. <laughs> Were, were either of you surprised at how uh, we we refer to specific board game geek thread? Just how spicy and how indignant and how it it seemed like very provoked and angry that people seemed in that thread by by just the Conmarie approach. It's funny. I actually had the the opposite. I always expect you know I was like if there's a group of people who are gonna hate what Conmarie has to say or. Um, it's board gamers. Absolutely. You know? I was and not then, surprised in the slightest. I clicked the thread and I was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love drama. I knew things were going to be popping off. What I'm surprised about was the amount of people who were actually like pretty thoughtful about it. I'm like, I actually did this to my collection and then it was a huge improvement. Or like, you know, if you really see what she has to say, it's, it's a lot of positive and I did it. And there was like a fair amount of people who had actually listened and implemented what she said. And then, you know, there are the obvious people that, were doing what I thought they would be doing and be like, Tom Marie is a fascist. <laughs> that is a direct quote. That is a direct oh, yeah. quote, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> read, read that Read that quote for us, Ketty. However, when it comes to books specifically, her argument is offensive. It is inherently anti-intellectual. It is inherently anti-academic. I've even seen some posts on other sides saying her argument is fascist. Like, Okay, I, I got a couple <laughs> things to say about this. First off, I've even sure, seen sure. other posts on other sites saying her argument is a passage. Just come out and say it yourself. <laughs> I know that's that's a total coward move there, and everyone it's very it's very clear that you're just too scared to to come out and say it. You're, that that's your opinion. Also, I, I think there was a lot of people going along these lines, but I think these people are actually anti-intellectual in a lot of ways, in the sense that like they clearly have don't actually even understand her argument and haven't sort of like contended with it. And their anti-intellectual argument is just sort of like their own belief in their own identity as an intellectual, when in many ways they have they, they don't understand what she's saying, which is sort of a failure of their ability to use their intellect to sort of contend with her argument, even. There's someone who didn't even know her name. Oh yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> if you thought if you thought we were clowns, you should see the yeah, people in this yeah. thread. <laughs> Yeah, inevitably, of course, the thread dissolves into people talking about the size of their game collection and the rare games they have just to show off to other board gamers. Because, again... Oh, yeah, definite definite name-dropping. Yeah, because, yeah. again, and... their personality is wrapped up in their possessions instead of actually taking the time to develop a real personality. Yeah, and, and as a result, people really take that as an attack on their identity and, you know, what they've invested so much in, like... How dare, dare this person tell me that I shouldn't have as big a collection as I should have, and that these things don't spark joy in me when they do, like when they they're such a big part of my life. 
I mean, and it's fine if it's a big part of your life. It's just, she's not exactly, if it does make you happy, she's not telling you to get rid of it all. But if there are some that make you less happy, then maybe you don't need a huge, and if it's, if it's become a problem where you don't have space or where you need to not be spending as much money, then maybe just that's something you can integrate into your life. That sort of approach. Yeah, because the big thing is always is just taking a critical eye to your collection. Um, and maybe the critical eye is, I do want these 7,000 games or whatever, and they do all spark joy with me. And that's absolutely fine. But I think another thing she would um, definitely advertise is displaying your games. A lot of people have like a, a closet or a, a room that they keep the door shut in um, for their games. Uh, and I used to be that way. I used to have all my games in my basement, but I recently... Uh, you know, hold them upstairs and put them on display just off my living room, um, just because it is part of my life and a part of my life that I'm very happy with. And so I want people to look at it and ask me questions about it. But, you know, if you've got a closet full of games that you're not played and you keep the door shut because it causes you a little bit of distress, then that's something you maybe you should be taking a critical eye towards. That's that's interesting, because I, I would say I, I think you're right that putting them on display is good but i i would find that hard because all the different boxes have different colors and stuff and it's just like putting putting them all next <laughs> to each other would just like clash so much in my mind but you know again like different 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 strokes for different folks but there are certainly for, people for that me, organize by color which uh always makes for a good looking board game shelf yeah that 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 i'm sold on that yeah um there, there, but yeah, but there's so many bright colors. I hate bright colors. I don't, I don't know if you know this about me. <laughs> but I'm not, not a fan of colors. Not a fan of books. Just, just, just a fan of burning stuff. That's, <laughs> that's really <laughs> burning. Burning things is really all that brings me joy in life. So something that I think was was kind of lost in in these in a lot of these arguments is that. For, for a lot of people who are collectors, like eventually you kind of, for not everyone, but some people, instead of be staying collectors, they become curators. And that's all very similar to what she's talking about, where instead of having everything, you just keep what, keep the really important items to you or keep the really rare items. And I I don't think that's, that's too extreme of an idea. No, absolutely not. But... I mean, if you want to be a curator, I mean, it's not like you'll have your rare games on display, and that's fantastic. But, I mean, at the same time, do you need every version of Monopoly or every version of, you know, Ticket to Ride, which is a game that will never go out of print just because of its popularity? It's not like you're going to miss out on Ticket to Ride ever. Yo, I had Star mm-hmm. Wars Monopoly as a kid, and that shit was lit. We played with that thing so much. <laughs> I don't think I ever played a single game of real Monopoly with a Star Wars Monopoly, but like that, they had like a sweet like Chewbacca action figure in it, basically, and they had like Star Wars bucks, and we had we had a blast with that stuff. I had Star Wars bucks. Is that the the yeah, currency Star in bucks. the Star Wars universe? I had Pokemon Monopoly, <laughs> and that's the uh, only different one I had. My grandparents had a really old copy of Monopoly. I wish I still had it. That sounds cool. Yeah. I'm also, a lot of board gamers hate Monopoly. I think Monopoly's pretty good. It's a... Uh, do we... 
uh, it's, on, uh, it's definitely like not the game that people always make it out to be. They everybody always uses like fake rules on it, and, but it really isn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really really the key. If you you need to have everyone willing to trade, and if you don't if you don't trade, the game just like doesn't function. And I think that's where it comes from is that like most people like play with their family and no one ever trades, and it's just like not a functioning game. Well, it's also. This is we're getting way off topic, but uh, you also can't use free parking where like any taxes go on free parking. If you land there, you get all that money like that. That breaks the game. Um, but you also have to use the auction mechanic where whenever you land on it, if you choose not to buy it, it just goes it auctions off to the table like those t- just doing those two things differently fixes the game. <laughs> I mean, really, auctioning is great and everything. There should just be an auction at the beginning. True. And you shouldn't even roll. Anyway, off topic. Yeah, enough Monopoly talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in conclusion, um, it, it's not uh, Ms. Kondo who is anti-intellectual, anti-academic, or fascist. It's you, the listener, board game collectors. Who is... It's the children <laughs> who are wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll also say, while while Kondo maybe didn't go there and say, I do think that all board games should be burned. I think they're they're counter they're counter revolutionary property, and we should get rid of them. I'll fight and you. Every, every every everyone should just play um, the the game with the jacks and the ball where you you throw them up and down. That was that was the only good game, and cup and stick. So so controversial yet so brave, Kenny. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, burn your board games. Um, <laughs> burn your board games mindfully. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to burn them. Yeah, don't all. burn the plastic pieces. Just, just just the cardboard stuff. The plastic you can recycle. Yeah, cardboards. Or if if you have any any dead card games you can throw in there those they burn those well will, <laughs> those those will feed your bonfire well uh, um okay are are you guys ready to talk about the the actual episode that we just yeah. watched well i watched it like a week ago because we we're supposed to record this a week ago but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we You, I don't know. I feel like I'm the one who does the work making this happen. You're just the one who does everything else. But I actually make the episodes, ske- the scheduling occur. That That is um, faker news than the 30 book yeah. rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you edit that out if you want to. Otherwise, it's, it's on the podcast and it's true. So the third episode that that uh, of tidying up was focused on the the Merciers, a family that recently moved in into what like a two bedroom apartment, yeah. coming from a, a four bedroom four story house, and it was I don't I, I that would be like a challenge yeah, for anyone, and um yeah they mo- yeah it was it was it was a really difficult episode for me to watch because it seemed like uh it caused a lot of stress in the family specifically with with the mother katrina um trying to manage everything and everyone's expectations of her uh to keep the family and house together 
in this transition. Yeah, the mother put a lot of it on herself. Like she was definitely the rock of the family, um, which I think is the case in a lot of households, uh, unfairly so. But she was, she had that all the everybody, her husband and the two kids, uh, Douglas, Nolan, and Casey, all had to ask her where any like any little thing is because she she managed the household and it was just getting overwhelming for her and difficult for the husband and the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that was sort of the, the, the central theme of like the episode is that, you know, they moves from Michigan to LA, which I thought they were moving to New York. And then I actually watched the episode and they're moving to LA and I was sad. Um, but listen, <laughs> LA is very different than New York. Everyone, everyone in LA has a car because they have terrible zoning rules. Um, but that's okay. That's beside the point. Um, and anyway, so like all, all, all sort of like the pressure of like suddenly having a home that didn't fit their stuff, you know, and sort of the fact that like, it, you know, you looked around the house and everything was just like brimming with stuff and over overflowing and sort of all the, all the pressure of making this work fell on the mom and she sort of, um, was like I, I feel like I failed. I feel like I'm failing my family, and I think I think like there is there is some sense in which you know like you can like look at the house and it wasn't it wasn't good for any of them, but it was it wasn't just the mom's fault. You know the the dad especially should be taking stepping up for this too. It, it shouldn't just be like the mom who's in charge of making the house like livable and the, and the you know making a space that's healthy for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And they, like the husband even at one point said like, he doesn't want to go in, he doesn't like go to the kitchen because he doesn't know where anything is. And I'm sure some of this is editing to, to reinforce that kind of like dumb, aloof husband trope, but, uh, but still it, it did seem like nobody, or at least the husband especially was not taking their role in making that house a home seriously. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, 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 uh, you, fuck. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I I did appreciate that the kids kind of teased him when he tried to claim that yeah, he was yeah, good. Yeah, that was good. And, the kids put him on blast. I liked it. Yeah, they looked at him like, "What? Wait, who who are you talking about here? Who's doing what?" Yeah, I, I think there was one part where he like went in the kitchen and he said he doesn't cook because he had like a disaster one time. And I think I think like it speaks to like a fear of failure people can have about sort of like mm-hmm. um you know i i know i had it when like w- with like claire where like i i didn't know how to do like a lot of the tidying cleaning she had but you really just have to like deal with the fact that you aren't going to be as good and like not doing things right or perfectly is part of the process of learning and that follows for like it follows for cooking it follows for cleaning like you know you you might not have been socialized to do, do that it may not have been taught as a kid because you know, you're inheriting gender divisions of labor, but you, you need to like be willing to be bad at something in order to do what you need to do to be, to make things work. Yeah. You kind of, you have to accept that, that you can't do it as well. And you have to talk about it and then talk about what you can do and then yeah. get better. And that's, and, and I, I present those steps, like they're very easy to follow, but no one ever teaches you that that is how you're supposed to deal with. Life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, it's really important to understand that it's okay to be bad at things. And, you know, you can feel like, I, I know I felt guilt and shame about that and that's okay, but you can't, you can't just reject 
you can't deal with that by rejecting it and saying, oh, I don't have to do this or I'm bad at this and I'm not, I'm not going to worry with it about it. Yeah. And, and hide behind the, the incompetence, this side that no, yeah. Hide behind incompetence and like the shield of this, these gender divisions of labor and that say, oh, this is how society has, has come up with this framework. So we need, that's what we're going to default to. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not going to yeah. fly. The, the the state of the house is on both of the parents. And um, I, you know, I, I know that like, it's, it's easy to say like, oh, I'm not that tidy. And so I'm going to leave it to you. But I think, I think one thing I've realized is that, you know, it's important for both of you to, to take charge of stuff like that. Yeah, it really broke my heart watching this episode and then seeing her cry just under like all, all the stress and all of it being put on her. And you get to, I, that, I think that's also why the kids were so likable um, just because of how you saw that it affected them too. Like they wanted, they didn't want this. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that was really positive about this episode really was like, it wasn't just, the mom who was like taught to, it was like they all came together and they all tidied and they all had stuff to do. And it was sort of a collective effort to, to get their shit together. And I think that's a really, a way more sustainable model of, mm-hmm. of everything. And the kids were excited about it too, which I mean, there's this stereotype that kids don't like to clean or tidy, but I, I feel like the, the approach, the, 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 the way that Con- Miss Kondo involves everyone, it's if you're involved and if you're participating, it can be fun for everyone because they seem to be excited about it all. Yeah, I mean, it was getting, it would like free up their time even because they said they would have to text their mom or call their mom to help them find something if the mom wasn't around. I mean, be excited just to be able to, to find things in your home sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think it gets to the second point we have here that sort of tidying on is a way to heal and sort of um to to like you know they really able to tidy and make themselves feel better and sort of come closer as a family and it was a really healthy thing and then you know it made their space better and made them feel better it was tidying was sort of an extension of sort of the family and sort of a healthy having a healthy relationship yeah, you you could see it even as the episode was going on, like even halfway through, when uh the mother Katrina was like saying our our fa- our life is finally coming together, which. I mean it it's, it's hard to fathom that something as simple as tidying up could bring your life together, but. When this is the constant stress you're dealing with, you can understand it. Yeah. It's a real feel good story. It, it really was. <laughs> Yeah, at the the end, you had um, the the son um, Nolan. He he was thanking Miss um, Kondo and saying like she lifted the weight off my mom's shoulders, like a lot of weight, and it, it's it's a real feel good story. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to see that the kids were aware of the burden on their mom that they just didn't have a way to deal with it until until the until this episode and it was yeah, it was very sweet to see because you could definitely see what was you know, like it's a it's an old story 
of what happens when that just continues and these like arguments continue and eventually the mom will run out of the like emotional energy to support that much family and it gets you know to be a, an angry household instead of a, a loving and happy household which is what it turned out to be yeah um and, and another thing I, I noticed this episode is sort of when they when she was helping helping them clean um tidy the the kids room she was like okay so you have these like open dressers and um where you you know these basically shelves where they kept a lot of their clothes and like so it's very easy to for these to feel untidy basically because you can see them and so it's sort of like okay rather than saying hey we're gonna get a new dresser or hey we're gonna get this it's like okay here's how we can use what you have and organize it in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and i i think that's that's one thing i really have found impressive is that um Marie, Marie, Marie kind of never tells people to go out and buy stuff. You know, the only thing she ever tells people are these shoe boxes and shoe boxes are not like a thing you purchase in stores. It's like a stand in for like all the boxes you get in your life that like, you know, it's really easy to find a box if you need it. And I think that's, it's, it's a really impressive feat that she's able to improve all these people's lives without ever telling them to buy anything. Yeah, she just had them open shoe boxes and stuff their clothes into them like they were drawers. And then she said when it if they ever do end up getting a dresser, it'll be really easy to just move them into yeah. the dresser. And yeah, I I do like that about her. How she makes it very clear your first step in tidying should not be to go out and buy stuff like organizational stuff. Mm-hmm. That you you should first go through everything and then use what you have and maybe if you have nowhere to keep it, then you get something. But you're, you're for, cause it is your natural reaction to like, Oh, I'm going to clean this weekend. I'm going to go to the container store or Ikea and buy this stuff. And she, she doesn't encourage that. I don't that. know if most people know the container store is Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. I, I love, love the container mm-hmm. store. It's yeah, I know about do you it. Know I don't about think it, we have one at least nearby me up in Cleveland. But yeah, I, uh, my wife especially hates it because she hates uh, hates the idea of <laughs> buying something to help you organize, which I think the, the shoebox advice would resonate strongly with her. Kenny, we should get Claire on this episode and we could just talk that, about the well, container well, store. Well, the we, can, we can get her on at some point. Um, she'll probably put me on yeah. blast or something. <laughs> I know that that's that's yeah, that's like the other idea. benefit. Sounds mm-hmm. like great content, and um, yeah, I I do like that that idea of because that is my natural inclination. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, because it, it it also kind of motivates you. Like, oh, I can go out and buy something mm-hmm. new, so that'll be make me more happy that I have yeah. to tidy. Yeah, up. it's a simple shortcut. It's problem then solution. Where obviously the problem is a little more complex. Yeah. Yeah, the the thing is though, like using a shoebox or using something you already have, it also kind of gives a sort of the same feeling, where like the the appreciation that you've gotten to use something mm-hmm. you already have or that you've been wanting to yeah. use to repurpose. It's nice. Well, I I think yeah. we somehow covered it. Great everything. episode. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. What what have we we let's talk about what have we learned this episode? Who wants to start with what they've learned? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, we <laughs> we we actually we, this is actually went into a, we talked about the dishwashers 
um and and kenny buying his new dishwashing stand something i noticed with the the, the Mar- merciers is they had a dishwasher and they did something that really surprised me because this is something i've only seen um in like uh immigrant households where you you wash your dishes and then you dry them and then you put them like you do this all by hand in the sink and then you put your dishes in the dishwasher as your dryer rack like not actually using your dishwasher and that it really surprised me to see um, other non-immigrant families do this and because it was something that i know a lot of asian parents do and force their kids and tease them that that tease, taunt them with the dishwasher that they don't actually use to do the the um the grunt work of washing and drying dishes by hand because they believe that it's actually cleaner if you do it by hand because it's more See, work. My, uh, my but grandmother that, that's not true. grew up, uh, so Ellen's grandma, uh, grew up uh, quite mm-hmm. uh, quite poor and she does the same thing now um, in her 80s. She doesn't like to use the dishwasher because she doesn't want it to wear out and break. So I wonder if it's if that could be part of it as well with immigrant families. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's also a good point. Yeah, <laughs> the idea that it, it could it could wear out and break and um, decrease the value of this thing you bought that's supposed to bring convenience to your lives. Um, I don't know if 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 there are any Asian or immigrant parents listening to this, please don't do this. Just <laughs> use your dishwasher because I think there's there's a um, it's been studied that it's way cleaner if you use your dishwasher. It is not more clean just because you're doing more work. Like there's no way that you can actually match the work that a dishwasher does. And generally with more your water hands. efficient too, unless you just fill up a bucket of water and just use that bucket of gross water to clean your dishes. You know, that that's a good point. Cause people say there's, there's, there is an argument. I'm sure that, that it's less, it's more water efficient if you do it by hand. But that's not yeah, true at all this either. is again way off topic, and we can probably edit this out. But when uh, I took a vacation to New York and uh, the Finger Lakes and stayed on one of the lakes at like a lake house where they pulled all their water from the lake, and they specifically told us to use the dishwasher, don't hand wash because it was more water efficient. And they had to be really careful with Wait, water which of the Finger Lakes, uh, Canadiaga. Okay. Yeah, we stayed near Naples, New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went to I went to school near there. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm. It's a beautiful place. It was. Yeah, it was gorgeous. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, gorgeous, eh? Yeah. Well, we st- uh, uh, we went to Letchworth State Park. It's okay. called the Grand Canyon of the East, and it lives up to its name. Yeah, there there are so many parks up there. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Peter, I'll go ahead and tell you that that will not be edited out because Kenny oh, actually great. does not do any work. Well, everybody can know about my New York vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good vacation though go to naples new york can we yeah. can we get the it sounds great tour, the chamber of commerce of naples new york to sponsor us probably yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i i want to i want um darn tough to to sponsor a junket darn for us tough, to go to vermont naples, new york who else can we get boardgamesgeek.com we, we, we can get ff <laughs> No, I was gonna say we could get FFG to get to, to fly us up. Yeah. Oh well, two of us at least. Um, 
Okay, P- Peter and Kenny, what have you learned um, in this episode? I, th- I mean, I, I don't know if I really, really learned in this episode, but every uh, as I was I was going on at the end of talking about this episode was I'm all I'm just continually impressed by her ability to make tidying up accessible and a thing that everyone can do, and I, I think that's really important um, and is is really is really an impressive feat because I think it can be really intimidating to sort of think of like tidying up as you know this of like pristine houses with nothing in them and just sort of this unattainable goal that you can never achieve um and and it's really and the show really makes it accessible to everyone that's well put. and i think what i learned was that i probably like a lot of other people scoffed at her like greeting the house and then like thanking items as you get rid of it as just like some sort of weird offshoot of like shinto animism but it it is, I mean, it still feels a little hokey to me, but I think one thing is just you kind of, if you just think about the item as you discard it and what it's done for your life uh, or what it's done for you, it just helps you improve your relationship with items. So you can think about the specific shirt you're tossing away, like how it helped you, but also maybe in the ways that it failed you. So we can think of like ways to, uh, it, it's true. I mean, it just like I wore this shirt once on a date, it went successful, but then I never wore it again because it was like itchy. So you can like think about that when you're when you're moving forward and purchasing future items to again, in, improve your relationship with your uh, possessions. That's a good takeaway. I didn't thought about it that way. I'm very impressed with, with both of your takeaways while I'm just blasting dishwashers <laughs> used by immigrants. <laughs> Child childhood wounds never heal. Oh yeah, definitely. I you have no idea. I don't think I ever got to use a dishwasher as a kid. And we when we finally moved into a house, I was so excited. And no, we never I still had to wash everything by hand. Do you ever just like put dishes in your dishwasher and run it just for fun? No, but I'm I'm very liberal with my dishwasher use. Like, I I will happily run dishes through two cycles if I feel like they're not clean enough. You know what would have made them clean? What? If you if you just wash them by hand. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're we're now on the iTunes store. Uh, shout outs to Kenny for making that happen. So you can follow us by jumping onto your itunes application going to the podcast store and searching for condo comrades please go there subscribe and leave us a nice review i know it's tempting to um to leave us the worst review but don't do that because it's really mean and we would prefer that you be nice to us so we do more of these don't report us to the itunes police um because i don't think we're marked as explicit yet because i didn't understand what explicit meant Kenny, uh, you know that's exactly what they're going to do now. <laughs> What's wrong with you? This is the I Streisand mean, effect in action. Yeah, but uh, but maybe, maybe I mean, Streisand became famous after that, so there's that. Was she famous beforehand? Yeah, what, what is yeah. wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> okay. Isn't the Streisand effect about her, be- her becoming famous because of her beach house? No, <laughs> it was no. she like, uh, Are you... it was somebody like, think made fun of her nose, and instead of ignoring the criticism, she just like, I don't know. It's been a long time. Like sued him or like put him on blast, and then everybody knew about the criticism, and so it was everywhere. And where if she just it was definitely it was definitely her beach house. Her beach house. There was a picture of it on like it was like eroding the the thing, and there's a picture of it on a website shaming people for it. And this has, this has nothing to do. This is just like when 
Kenny had no idea who Deep Throat was. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to have to be marked as explicit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, okay. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Peter, thanks for dropping Anytime. in. Yeah, in, it was a, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. It was great to catch up yeah. with you. Um, yeah, everyone, go on iTunes, subscribe, leave a nice review. And uh, oh yeah, what's our what's our Twitter handles if they want to follow us? Peter? Uh, I'm at foilfloss. F O I L F L A W S. Uh, you can follow me at at tiny cartridge. And you can follow me at A N R Simon Moon. All right. Th- thanks you all. Thank you all again. Thanks, thanks. everyone.